Hey everybody, Mike Rudd here, co-host of the Hashtag 59 Podcast, welcoming you back to another episode of our podcast, which today we have two special guests with Amy and myself, Mike K and Paula R. We're discussing sabbaticals, mini retirements, and the joy and learning, knowledge, and education you can get from going on a sabbatical yourself, or as Tim Ferriss likes to call them, mini retirements. We've been to over 100 countries combined, I believe, from this podcast. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, listen in, start taking some notes, and I'm sure by the end of it, you're going to have lots of ideas and hopefully some inspiration for where your sabbatical or mini retirement is going to take you in the near future. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Hashtag 59 podcast, where we discuss adventure in everyday places. We are a community of outdoor and adventure travel advocates, and today we're going to be discussing the art of taking a sabbatical or a mini retirement, and I'm super excited to have a little roundtable panel joining me today. I have my partner in crime for Hashtag 59, Amy K. Amy, say hello. Hi. And then we have Mike K. and Paula R. Say hello, Mike, to the audience. Hello, everyone. Nice to be here. And then Paula, say hello as well. Hi, everyone. A pleasure. So Mike and Paula are two good friends of mine. We've been working together on other projects over the years, but this is the first time we kind of all get a, I think I'm super excited to delve into a little bit more of uh, things that we do personally in like the outdoor and travel world. And there's a specific reason I wanted them to come on the show. So we're going to jump right in. To give everyone a little backdrop, I want to explain, if anybody's not read The 4-Hour Workweek, Tim Ferriss talks about in The 4-Hour Workweek the idea of mini-retirements or sabbaticals. And what that is is essentially the idea that not waiting to really start living your dreams, doing things that are of interest to you, People often, unfortunately, create a bucket list, and they they wait. It seems like till you're 60, 65, if you're fortunate enough to actually do all those to things. actually do those things and start retiring to start living those. And Tim's whole idea is start doing those things now, and he actually gives ways in which you can take breaks, if you will, in life, many retirements or sabbaticals to do these things. So I want to. You know, I'll start with Mike and Paul and then let Amy chime in. You know, Tim's got his theory. I kind of have mine. What do you guys think of when you think of a definition of of a sabbatical or a mini retirement? What comes to your mind? Well, I think uh, it just, to me, it's kind of like hitting the reset button or kind of getting some perspective. You know, life sometimes for me feels like it's very busy all the time, right? You don't have time to kind of sit and just kind of think. Uh, you know, it's always one thing to the next. So the mini retirement or the sabbatical is some time for you to just put life on pause and just think uh, about what you're doing, where you're going, what you want to do, and then give yourself a little perspective because, you know, usually you're going away from where you are. You know, you go into a new place, and that new place can really help you, you know, help the creative juices flow. These things that people are doing that you're not familiar with, you know? I love it. I love it. Paula, what about you? Um, I would say for me, it's really about just disconnecting completely from your day-to-day. I mean, it's got to be outside of the things that you're constantly thinking about. 
just, you know, the work, the house, the, well, I don't want to say the kids, but, you know, like, it's just in general, like, even the friends and the family, it's more like just disconnecting from all of that altogether so that you can kind of experience a little bit of that moment of life that you kind of, I don't want to say you lose, but it just passes by so so quickly and you don't have the moment to kind of savor it. So it's it's really about being able to do that disconnect. That's well yeah. said. As you as you're running, like Aaron's with the kids, I think, <laughs> <laughs> while recording this, I I feel you there. So uh, that's yeah. great, Amy. What do you think? I mean, I agree. Sorry, I just I, I just want to add the our mini break was pre kids, so yeah, yeah. 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 So it was an easier time, although it can be done with children. Yeah, that's true. And we're gonna get that's a great yeah. We're gonna get into that in just a minute. I mean, I kind of agree with everyone. It's it's just to take a like a stop almost in your everyday life and just kind of reset, especially if you are changing jobs or careers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's always a great option or moment to kind of take that, you know, year off and just be like, I'm just going to do me for a little bit. So yeah, it's kind of the same boat. So I'm going to ask Mike and Paul to talk about their experience. And Amy, mm-hmm. one of her really good friends is on a, on one right now for me you know, I want to hear about what you guys did on the sabbaticals, ideas you have. I have a few different uh, mini retirement ideas right now just to get people's – because I think people sometimes might think, what would I do? Like, yeah. What would I do with that? Uh, for me, we talked about hashtag 59 as a homage to the 59 national parks in the United States. I like to visit all of them. I would go on a national parks road trip and volunteer at the parks while hiking in them. That would be one idea. I would really like to, my wife Jill started a 50 charity challenge where she volunteered at 50 charities mm. in Columbus over, this past year? Over, over a year. Oh, that's cool. I would love to go take that on the road and do one volunteer, one charity a week in all 50 states in America over 50 weeks. That's a very creative sabbatical. <laughs> I think that is, I think, I tell her it's yeah. a big one. I think that'd be pretty cool. And then... I'd also like to just, you know, Mike and Paul, they're in Florida. We have friends all over the world. I would love to just do a almost dinners with friends and just mm-hmm. take it on the road and go visit all of my family and friends around the world and break some bread, have a drink, you know, go on a run and then be on to the next place and just connect with the people that I know all mm-hmm. over. Amy, tell us about Curried Away Travel and then we'll let Mike and Paul share about their experience. Okay. Um, so I have two friends who just got married like two years ago, and part of their kind of like vision board was they decided that they wanted to take a year off. They're still technically working, but they're working on the road. They started in, I think, March they left, and they went to South Africa, uh, Portugal. I think they went to France. Right now they're in uh, Vietnam, and they are not coming back until Christmas. So they are definitely taking a month at each place and their blog and their Instagram is pretty fun. So if you want to check them out, it's curried away travel. Curry as in the curry food. I love it yeah. too. Well, that's their last name is curry. So yeah, that's but, why. It, but yeah, as a, fan of, as a fan of Indian and Thai curry, I also <laughs> like the multiple meanings I take from that. Uh, <laughs> I feel like they get curried away on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mike and Paula, why don't you guys share a little bit about what you guys did and your experiences from that? Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this idea, at least I'll start for me, and then it was it was kind of interesting. Uh, the truth is this idea of, of traveling around the world. I love to travel. 
my dad always loved to travel, so he kind of, I think he, he gave us the traveler gene, and he just started us when we were kids, and we would travel all the time. Uh, and I just kind of really kept that going, and I always had this idea of just taking, like, a significant break. I mean, I've, I've actually been able to travel to about 50 countries in the world, and I love it, and I just want to hit up every single one. Um, but the idea of being able to do it not on like two weeks or maybe even three weeks, but just being able to just not have to worry about, I have to run back at some point. Um, so we started this kind of idea and, and I had it in my mind way before uh, I met Mike. And then when I met Mike and we actually kind of realized that we had these similar interests on, on different levels of why I wanted to do this. So we said, okay, let's do something. And then you start thinking, you know, budget wise and how much time and this and that, and you you do realize that the world is really big. So we made the decision, thought about doing Africa and Asia. We were only going to do six, our plan was six months for multiple reasons. But then we said, okay, because it's only six months, we're just going to, we're just going to hit up basically Southeast Asia. And that's going to be the main focus. So we were able to cover, I want to say about like, was it maybe 12 different countries all over Southeast Asia. And it was just, you know, just amazing because it's about being able to go somewhere that you really know nothing about or you have an idea of what it is, but you, you really have no idea. Like, you just, you, you can't even connect to what you think you know about a place until you actually get there. And Asia, at least, that's what it was for me. I traveled a lot in Europe and in the Americas, but never Asia. Like, what is that? You know, this whole kind of thing. You have all these ideas. And when you get there, it's just every single place is, like, so unique. And the food is just absolutely delicious. The locations are beautiful. People are incredibly nice, safer than I think most people realize or think, you know. And also it gives you an appreciation in certain in certain aspects of all the, all the wonderful. You also have an appreciation of where you're from and the things that you're like, wow, I'm, don't we miss this? You know, sometimes we'd have our moments where you're just like, oh, I need to re-westernize myself for just maybe an afternoon to like get back to what you would consider normal. But um, overall, loved it. Mike, won't you, what would you add to that? Well, you know, if I'm thinking about it, I think the, one of the things you're suggesting is, like, what would people do? Like, what did we do? Like, what was our plan going out there? Is that right, Mike? Yeah, a little bit. Because I think for some people who aren't in this world or it seems so far-fetched, I think, right. for people. And it's like, where do I even start, you know? Right. Yeah, so for us, I mean, it was... You know, a lot of people, when we came back and we talked to people, they were like, well, what was your plan? Well, we didn't really have a plan. You know, we had a lonely planet. That was our plan. So, <laughs> we had an airline miles. Yeah, we, we had an airline miles and we had a lonely planet. <laughs> so, you know, we just, it's like uh, jumping from one vine to the next. You're not sure which vine you're going to grab until it's time to grab it, you know. So, you know, our strategy was, we're just going to go experience, you know, we have a general idea about which countries we want to go to first. And then part of the fun in the moment is really deciding because, you know, you meet a bunch of people, you know, so it's, so it's really just about, it's almost like free form, be open, you know, so like a lot of people are planners and we are planners on some level, but we became non-planners. We just go, just go and let it kind of happen, you know, and so that's one way to approach it, you know, and, you know, that was the way we approached it. It was just like, well, we heard a lot about Nepal and we want to go. And you know what? When we got to Nepal, we we're like, oh, yeah, well, let's do a mountain trek. And, oh, here, the Lonely Planet says the Annapurna's are nice. Well, let's go there. Yeah. So let's, oh, here's the bus. Okay. And here's some hotels. Or hotels, <laughs> robust word. For, <laughs> for Nepal, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, here are the places you could stay. And so we're like, okay, this one looks good. And then so the, 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 uh, the whole kind of experience becomes kind of this adventure of figuring it out, you know? And that's what we were doing. We were just figuring it all out as we were going. And that's the fun of it, you know? So, yeah, we did some, like, just key spots that we knew we wanted to hit. But other than that, it was total freeform. Hmm. What did you guys, I mean, you know, Mike and I have talked about this a little, a little bit off the convo, but, you know, what did you guys personally think you, you know, gained from the experience uh, and also in an encouragement, a nudge to the listeners why they should consider, whether it's six months in Southeast Asia or one month going to visit like their parents that they never see, why should people maybe consider doing things like this? Well, I'll start, I guess. You know, it's important. You know, after we were finished with the trip and I got back and kind of reintegrated myself into the matrix, so to speak, you know, I, I realized that you need to disconnect like that on a somewhat of a regular basis. I said 10 years. You know, the benefit is, is perspective, you know. You don't know what you don't know. Right? You got to go out there and figure out what you don't know. I mean, and the other thing is, is like, if you're traveling, right, it's important to break away from work. To me, it reinvigorated me. I've done this kind of thing twice. And in both cases, once when I was uh, in college, and, you know, I wasn't a particularly great student, but when I got back, I was energized. And, my, you know, I became a passionate, good student when I got back because I knew what I wanted. It has this effect on you of, you know, you can't sit around anymore. You have ideas. You, you have a goal now you know, and you want to pursue it, right? You know what you want to do. So that, it had that effect on me both times. You know, both times I was kind of going through the motions at some point, and then when I got back, I was real focused. I was real focused mm-hmm. about what I wanted to accomplish, and I became more energized. That's a big benefit that I got. Outside of, you know, perspective, because I think perspective does that. It energizes you. I think perspective gives you time to see different things from different angles and then you start to generate ideas but then just real quick one more other thought is you know you have stereotypes about things about things about people about cultures and you know this type of stuff shatters your stereotypes and i love to get my stereotypes shattered you know (laughs) absolutely and it's not that way you know it's not what you thought it never is what you thought you know (laughs) if you're looking at other cultures and countries through the lens of, you know, news articles or whatever, you're not seeing, you're only seeing a microscopic piece of it. And so when you go there, you know, you see, you you get, it washes over you, you get a whole lot more information and everything kind of, you see it different, you know, and I think that's, that's valuable in and of itself. I think you just hit it on the head. You know, one of my favorite quotes from Mark Twain is, uh, travel is fatal to prejudice and all types of bigotry. And oh my. I mean, yeah. it, it's just right. It's just right on. It's that yeah. the more I travel, the more we go places, the more cultures. I mean, I the more you get out of your comfort zone. Oh, it's I just can't even stress that enough to people. For me, you know, I last like two summers ago, I said to Jill, my wife, I said, I'm going to take a summer vacation. And she said, what, <laughs> what, what exactly does that mean? <laughs> And I, and I said, you know, I'm just going to take two afternoons a week mm. and shut off. Mm. And one day I'm going to go on a hiking trail. And one day I'm going to go to the pool. And I'm going to load up on books and, mm-hmm. like, vision boards and just 
chill. And really what I gained from that was, to Mike, your point, clarity on my goals and what I wanted out of my life, both personally and professionally. I'll say, honestly, I had a higher level of happiness in my yeah. life. Yeah. That was really, really large. And sometimes I still had work. Even I would take a break and go to the pool from like <laughs> 2 to 5. And then I would, I would sometimes come home and work. But it just was like this. It was like I chose to go to the pool and I chose to think about what I wanted. And it created this higher level of happiness. And then I think it also, the stressful times in life because of these stereotypes and getting broken down and it gives me such a more mindful approach to when the stressful times happen in life, mm -hmm. I think. It's really given me a lot of clarity. Amy, thoughts? I mean, it's kind of the same thing. It's just, I mean, I've personally never taken a sabbatical or a mini retirement, but I'm planning on doing one in a couple, in a couple years. And it's not a long time. It's only a month. But I still think it's, I have to first convince, of course, my job that it's something that's important. And that it's okay for me not to be there for a month when their idea of working is seeing you at your desk. But at the same time, it's something where I think that if I do it, I would be a better worker mm -hmm. for the long run. So, Yeah, and that's – so maybe that would – actually, I would love to hear Paula's take on this part sure. from, from the work side, you know. So – I would say just a couple of things, um, and I'll, I'll bring up on the, the item of work because I think it's definitely connected. For me, at least, the experience of it, I can't say that it helped me necessarily focus on my goals. Like I, I don't feel like that's what it was for me, but what it allowed me to do was kind of open my mind, you know, even like open it more. And that openness, I think, allows you to drive creativity. Even in things that can be very analytical, because my, my job pr primarily focuses on things that are very analytical. And so, but it allows your, you're kind of like, it's weird, but it kind of allows more synaptic connections in your brain, if, I, if it can make sense in any way. But at least for me, what it shows me, it's like the idea of putting myself in different environments, in different scenarios, in different things, is you start realizing that it's, again, these constraints that you, you naturally create in your mind based I think a lot in your experience you start breaking them you what you call the comfort zone I found it interesting how you mention it you start realizing that your comfort zone is actually a little bit bigger you can make it a little bit bigger like I can actually I'll, I'll give a perfect example like you can actually eat with silverware perfect and if you sit me in a restaurant and I need to eat with chopsticks I'll eat with chopsticks and that doesn't bother me at all and then if you sit me somewhere and you have to eat with your hands you know like <laughs> some sort of like curry or whatever that's fine too. And you start realizing that, you know, that comfort zone that was just the utensils, it expands. You know, so I find that to be really helpful because for me, I, I just, I need to, to see kind of like more alternatives, more options, more stuff. And that kind of opens my mind even more. And that at least helps me for my work. I, I really do believe that we live in a global society today. And I'd like to consider myself a bit more of like a global citizen. Yes. So I agree. when you start, thinking about like this is not weird <laughs> you know I, I always go back to the utensils but we think what's normal is you know silverware but that's actually the majority of the world does not use silverware and that's that's, that's just the way that we we're kind of programmed to think because it's the environment in which we're in but there's other options and all the other options are valid options they're good options they you know get you to the same result which is ultimately to eat right but we just have to think a little bit bigger, you know, and I, I love that. That's what I think travel brings to me. It just 
kind of like make sure my brain doesn't get stuck with these these walls that I you you, you naturally start creating in your mind as a peer, as a product of experience. So the more you can kind of open it, the more experiences you see, you start realizing like, wow, like there's so much more. Like, why don't I think of it this way? Why don't I put myself in that person's position? I find that travel helps you um, a lot in that way. Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it just, it pushes, it just pushes and it pushes and it helps. To me, it's just this travel is like an ongoing piece of my life for the growth that it allows me to become and the enjoyment of connect. I enjoy yes. connecting with people from all over mm-hmm. the world. And I, I too consider myself a, a global citizen. Uh, you know, I know that phrase is easy to throw around, <laughs> but I mean, I really do. I think we're one, we're, it's one planet, you know, humans, animals, plants, we're all, we're all in this thing together. together. And that's what I think global travel specifically can bring to the table. Uh, so I want to ask all three of you, you know, who have you, maybe like you passed in an article or you had a conversation of doing some type of like sabbatical or something and you became a little bit envious maybe of or like not even envious but just like oh I should I would really like to do that as mm-hmm. well I interviewed my marketing blog I used to interview people doing living their passions mm-hmm. and I interviewed this couple who took a year off from teaching in the United States and they visited 59 all 59 national parks over 59 weeks <laughs> and I called him Don to record this podcast and he was at a campground in Moab, Utah, which is a gorgeous place on a Tuesday in May. And he said the only things he had on his itinerary that day were the podcast. He was going to write a blog for the site and he was going to go on like a four hour hike with his (laughs) wife. And I just thought, how peaceful of a Tuesday (laughs) is this gentleman having? It just seems wonderful. So uh, I'll go Amy, then then Mike, then Paula. Anything that's jumped out to you, it's like, ooh, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. I mean, I have another friend who actually did an around-the-world trip right after they got married, and immediately they did that. And I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. And instead of having – because instead of having a big wedding, they eloped, and they just went around the world. And I'm like, what – better way to live your first life as a married couple than exploring the world so that's mine that's great it was great mike we have a couple i have a couple i I know paul is going to talk about these two that we met up on our trip so i'll talk about this other guy i used to work with i used to work with this guy and i don't know if envious is the word but at least kind of it's more like uh gets you thinking yeah happy and inspirational right he bought himself like one of these sprinter vans. You know, Mercedes has this sprinter. It's like yeah. a, you know what I'm talking about? It's like a yeah. full size van. Yeah. He gutted it. He put a kitchen in it. He put a bed in it. He put a solar panel on top. And now he's driving around the whole United States, you know, just basically like a nomad. Yeah. And so yeah. I thought, wow, man, that is really cool. Like, that is so. It's a different lifestyle. Just you know, you don't have to live so much. It's so much. Life is so much about what you think is possible, right? And when somebody breaks that mold, you know, it's so cool to see. Well, you know, it doesn't actually have to be like that. It could be like this. And so that's something that's pretty inspirational and cool from my perspective. That's great. I love that, Paula. Okay, so I would say 
I'm going to give two, actually, and then you guys can, can chop off whichever you feel is best. When I was a kid, actually, I would always meet these uh, foreign exchange students because for some reason they would always come to our school, like, I, I guess the exchange program or something. And I always thought it was so cool, and I always asked my parents if I could do that because I just thought the idea of doing, like, you know, you would do, like, a year and you would exchange for, like, Australia or something like that. And I always thought that to be, like, super great. And I wanted to, but my parents never let me. <laughs> so I feel like that's probably where this whole thing kind of started, the idea of, like, just going to another totally different thing. I find that to be – that was, I think, my inceptions as to where this idea came from. And then my second one is uh, we did meet on our trails this amazing couple. And um, they have – I mean, they took a year off just like us, but they – we only did seven months. They did like a year and a half. And wow. they're in Europe. I mean, these people do not stop. They don't stop. They keep <laughs> They come back. And, they, and also, like, I don't know why, but in Europe, it's like either super cheap or it's just located all over. Like, they can just, they're always somewhere. Like, oh, yeah, this weekend we're in Namibia. Or, oh, no, this yeah. weekend we're going to Rome. Or, oh, we just went over to, like, Dubai. And then you're like, what? <laughs> uh, we're so jealous. And I will... Uh, give a shout out for them. I'm gonna have to. I'll, I'll look for it and give it to you guys. But I mean, yeah, they're we'll just the they're just notes. like amazing, and they don't stop traveling. And I hmm. I do not know how they do it. <laughs> like, I'm so jealous. I will say there. It's called um, Estem de Vacans. It's uh, a travel blogger at Estem de Vacans. They're from. They're actually from uh, Barcelona. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, Marichel and Savi. So we give them a shout out there. Their stuff is amazing. I love that. You know, from the other side, I think, what's the biggest misconception you guys think about sabbaticals or many retirements? I think it's you're going to fall behind in your career, but Mm. I think that's entirely inaccurate because I think you come back and you're either an entrepreneur with new ideas or you go interview with somebody and you have this incredible story to share Mm -hmm. in the interview and it actually bolsters your career uh but that's i think falling behind in your career is a misconception to me uh yeah amy well i always think some people are like oh those people are lazy or like they don't really want to work they just want to travel all the time yeah i think that's definitely out there which i don't think is true that's not true at all we're trying to live build it yeah uh jay we saw, i saw jay shetty famous uh viral content creator and documentary and uh he was at lewis house's summit of greatness and he said build a life not a resume it's mm-hmm. a good good point yeah I, like that. Uh, I think it's uh it's such a trap you know to think that it's gonna i mean it changes your career trajectory in some way right it could you know i think the most important part is to be able to uh create a story that people can understand and can resonate with them. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, in the absence of a story, people are left to kind of imagine what happened, you know, and so giving them a story helps to, uh, you know, help them understand what you did and, and, and why it was important and valuable both for you and for, you know, kind of what you can bring to the table. But I think that, yeah, it doesn't, you know, it can change your trajectory, but it doesn't uh, necessarily make it worse. I mean, if you, if you know, like, I'm trying to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, you know, when you're 30, taking a, you know, a sabbatical, maybe that can have an impact on that. I, you know, I don't know. But if you're like, not, you know, if you're just working and, 
and you enjoy marketing or, or whatever it is that you do, having a sabbatical, you know, is going to give you new perspective, you know. So I think that it is, to me, the misconception is that it's hard, that it's expensive, mm. right? Not yeah. that expensive. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Less money traveling around the world than we would if we stayed put in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, and it is true. That's that's a really good one, Paula. Any any others to, you want to throw um, in? Yeah, I would add just a couple of things. I would say um, one about career. I, I think your point is right. You have to. You're really building a life. Um, I mean, you could be an amazing superstar worker at some place, and the company just has to downsize for no other reason. It has nothing to do with you or your skills, mm-hmm. and that's gonna you know, throw you off your career path as well. I mean, there's so many, you could wind up with a terrible boss who just is a crappy boss. who has got nothing to do with you, right? So you really have to think about this in terms of, like, you want to build your life. And if this is an important piece of that internal desire, then it's what you need to do. The other things I would say is expensive. It's not, uh, depending on what area of the world you're going to. I mean, yeah, I think the U.S. and Europe is probably going to be way more expensive than, say, Asia. Mm-hmm. So... Think about that. I mean, you know, there's some budgeting elements that I think are, are valuable to consider. And um, the third thing is, actually, sorry, there's going to be two more. Uh, one, safety. It's safe. The yes. world is, I'll, I'll tell you, like, an overall impression that we got and we went to a lot of countries that some people might not think that are safe. General people are good people. You know, the world is filled with amazing people. They're all good. They're all trying to do the same things that you are. There's going to be a bad element somewhere in the same way there's a bad element in Miami or in Columbus, Ohio or in Los Angeles. You know, unfortunately, we can't eliminate crime in the world, but it's safe and it's that should not be an impediment. Having said that, I may not recommend going to a war-torn area, but there are many (laughs) countries that are left over in the world that you can experience today. You know, and in possibly 20 years, that war-torn area won't exist anymore. Like, I mean, we went to Vietnam, where it might not have been a place that people would have gone to 40 years ago. You know, mm-hmm. it was beautiful. And so, you know, just take that with life. And, and lastly, you don't have to go with somebody. I, that was actually one thing that I really, mm. I didn't, I, I always thought, like, you know, you really have to find a partner to do this with. And honestly, you don't. You don't. There are so many people out there that are traveling by themselves. And what's great about it is that you enter in a sort of magically instant way, the community of travelers. And they're embracing and open and warm because they're just like you and they just want to travel. So if you're going solo, you're going to stumble upon people who are solo, people who are couples, and you'll start talking to them and you'll have an amazing time. So let that not be a reason for you not to go. I think that is such, yeah, once you enter the world of travelers, I mean, the people that we've already connected with and... Mm -hmm that are just out there doing stuff as we do stuff since launching hashtag 59 just over a year ago is incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. There's just this, yeah, you like enter into the secret society of the world of travelers and then you're always a member and it's, it's a pretty fun group and anybody's welcome yeah. to it, I think. Uh, so I think, you know, to me, before we get into rapid fires, one other question I want to ask everybody, I think, I think these sabbaticals, mini retirements, what, whatever you'd like to call them, it shows you don't have to live life the way everyone tells you to, is to me a big takeaway. So if you, if however, I told you and forced you tomorrow <laughs> for the next year to take a sabbatical and you didn't have a choice, what would you do? I, I would personally, I would go overseas several months combining volunteer work 
and some slow travel through probably Southeast Asia and Africa. And then I'd come back to the States for several months to finish my National Parks quest while visiting friends and going to parks and campsites. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I would do with a year right now. I'd split it in half overseas and half around the States, finish the parks, and see my friends around the country. Amy? Um, so I think what I would probably do is, I've never been to um, South America, and so I would probably take a good chunk of that to go to South America. Um, like you said, slow travel. Go to Patagonia, Argentina, Brazil, even like Costa Rica. I've never been there. Um, and then I think that my boyfriend and I would probably maybe hike the PCT. Mm, yeah, that would be a great. Yeah, because that would take a that takes a long time. Yeah, it's like three months, right? Yeah, four months. So we'd probably do something like that. That's great, Mike, Paula. What do you What are you guys doing? If I force you into a sabbatical tomorrow, which I mean, business is cranking right now for us, so I don't know if we should be doing that or not, guys, but just in case. We're not ready yet. But first of all, uh, I shake hand. I shake... Oh, go ahead, Paula, tell So I would say, um, because we have small kids, there's two places for me, but right now, because we have small kids, actually, the U.S. and, like, Canada. I just want to take a minivan mm. and just, like, drive all over the U.S., like, parks and just everywhere. I mean, it's such a beautiful country, and there's so much to see. To be honest, I, I've only gone to big cities, like I, you know, D.C., uh, L.A., but never all these great, amazing nooks and crannies, and that's what I'd love to. And, again, because you have small kids, it's just easy because it's kind of designed for families, maybe. Yeah. So yeah. you got the car seat, everything's kind of packed for four, so it makes logistically, that would be it for me. It's great. Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you going, you you going with, with your wife? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely, uh, for sure. That's what we, you know, we are getting ready to do the uh, minivan, and uh, I am so excited. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was talking to this uh, guy, and he, uh, you know, was talking about how he's been traveling through the United States. I have, you know, we've traveled around a lot, but we've not really explored the United States, and it's so beautiful. So, yeah, for sure, we would get in the minivan and just forget about the house and just get to know the United States. Deep. I love it. Yeah. Well, so let's do a couple rapid fire questions before we finish up. Uh, so the first question I have is in your eyes, and we'll go me, Amy, Mike, Paula, uh, who created sabbaticals in your eyes? I'm going to say writers because Rolf Potts wrote the Vagabond book. Tim Ferriss talked about many retirements way back in the day. Jack Kerouac wrote On the Road. Mm-hmm. And I think they actually get – people have been doing this forever. They just yeah. gave it a name. So I'm going to say some of the, the great writers of the last century. Okay. I was just going to say bloggers just in general. Anyone who's kind of has a travel blog, they've decided that maybe what they're going to do is take some time off as well. Bloggers are writers. Exactly. So writers. Mike? I was going to say teachers. I think teachers are mm. the ones that uh, created the sabbatical. They have three months every it's year true. to be able to do whatever they want. And so uh, I always think of sabbaticals as kind of teachers going and kind of depth, you know deepening their knowledge in a particular area and uh, you know and immersing themselves in something. Great, love it, Paula. Um, I mean, I, I'm I'm agreeing with all of you, but I'd add in there just these crazy people who decided to just do it. Like it's hard to explain, but there's there's always that group of people that you count. There are not a lot of them, but they're just this is what we did. <laughs> And then they tell you these stories, and you're like, wow, you find them. Yeah. I don't know. They, they might be a blogger, uh, or they might not. 
They may not even be, yeah, they may not even be a blogger, just yeah. somebody who just wants to do that, you know, and then they share their stories more individually, one by one, than, than on a more ample environment, but when, I feel like if you, if you want this and you like this, somehow you naturally tend to find these people in your world, you know, or hear of these stories. I think uh, the ne- that's great, and I agree. I think, do you have a official amount of time to make it qualify as a sabbatical or mini-retirement? I'm going to say, I think you need to live life 30 days a little differently <laughs> for it to qualify. So that 30 days is my number, yeah. Amy. No, I had the same one. 30 um, days? I was like, you have to do, you have to be away from your home for at least a month, I would say. Mike? You know, I think 30 days is good. I was going to say... Uh, one quarter of, of three months, mm. you know, but uh, I think depending on what you do, I think 30 days can work too, but I, I was going to say three months. Nice. Okay. So nine, 30 days, 90 days, Paula? Yeah, I think I was more on the 90 days. <laughs> and nice. that's what, mostly you can feel that change, you know, because yeah. in 30 days you can come back. Well, we aren't supposed to all agree on the rapid fire <laughs> question, so that's okay. <laughs> Last question for everybody. Uh, what is your dream mini retirement or sabbatical that you wish others would take more. Uh, For me, I wish my friends that are just glued to email and long meetings, I wish they would just take two weeks off of email every quarter and see what else they could create Mm -hmm. in the world, whether that's writing a book, becoming... Uh, maybe somebody else discovers that they 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 want to uh, volunteer at like a soup kitchen in their neighborhood, in the, but they don't have that time to ever think about that stuff. So I wish more people would take two weeks off of email, like once a quarter, every six months, and just think about what else they want to add value to their own lives and ultimately the world. Amy? Oh, I didn't have anything like that. <laughs> I just want people to experience the United States, I guess. Because there are a lot of people, I have a lot of friends who are like, oh, I've never been to New York City, or I've never been to the Grand Canyon. But you've been to Iceland, and you've been to Antarctica, and sometimes it just surprises me that people who live in the United States don't necessarily see the United States. That's a really good one. Mike? I think, uh, you know, I wish that uh, people uh, that have strong uh, stereotypes or beliefs about something go and you know, so, for example, if you're a heavy-duty Republican, you know, living mm-hmm. in a people-head state, go to California. Check yeah. it out for three months. You know, if you're, uh, you know, if you're somebody that, uh, you know, is uh, fearful of a different religion like uh, Muslims, go to, you know, go check out, uh, you know, Indonesia. Go check out uh, Morocco. Go check out Saudi Arabia for three months. Love you know, it. Just go someplace where you think you know what it's about. And then you're just going to get your ideas blown away. That is a good idea. That is great. I'm going to change my answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) Paula, wrap it up Uh, for us. All right. For me, and uh, okay, and I'll go back to, uh, I love Anthony Bourdain. He's like one of my fans. I'm very sad still. Mm. But he he has this like this quote that I'm just going to paraphrase. And it's like, go to another place and sit down with other people and try their food. People yeah. are, they have, we have, we're so limited in what we're willing to eat. And I find that insane. There's so much amazing food. Just sit down and try it. It can't kill you. Like, we're saying you're going to try something amazing or, and you're going to share. Nothing can be stronger than just being able to, to showcase the, to the other person that you're sitting down with. Like, it's a little bit of respect and, 
and you know it's they're they you're they're honoring you by sharing their food and you sitting down and eating it even if you don't like it so much will be gained from that I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you guys. Yeah. Thanks thanks for both of you to uh, come on and share your wisdom and energy uh, with our community. We really appreciate it. Glad to. Thank you for the invite. Absolutely. Of uh, I will close and second with Paula's thing about food. We had a, I have a friend. He's done he's done a blog on our podcast or a, a blog on our podcast. He's done a blog on our site. He rode his <laughs> motorcycle around the world for 5 years and he wrote a cookbook as a result of that because he said that was the ultimate connection point that started every new friend he made all over the world. He visited mm. like 40 yeah. countries, and he named the book Sweet. Forks. So uh, <laughs> go out there and break bread with somebody that uh, you haven't before in some way. So thanks for tuning in to the Hashtag 59 podcast, everybody. Join us. Take part in our adventures at Hashtag59.com. We have content, contests, and events. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave us an awesome review while you're there if you dig what we're talking about. Thanks so much for listening. Mike and Amy, Mike and Paula, all signing off. (laughs) Sayonara.